Hello and welcome to Obsession, where we get horribly obsessed, highly obsessed, <laughs> hilariously obsessed with things that other people might find odd. Nothing is too obscure, too creepy or too weird for us to research obsessively. I'm Heidi. And I'm Rebecca. Join us in being obsessed. Hello, Obsessives. Welcome back. And hello, Heidi. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Obsessives. How are you, Heidi? Well, I'm leading the quarantine life lately, Becky. Yeah, as are many people in the world, including myself now as well. Um, very interesting times we live in. Interesting being a very big understatement, I think. Look, it's so interesting that I even gave myself a haircut. Yes, yes. You've been. I think you've been doing quarantine, quarantine a little bit longer than me. So are you pleased with your haircut? Do you know what? I'm actually pretty impressed with myself. I've got to be honest with you. When you said you'd cut your hair, I thought, Oh, no, she's been inside too long. <laughs> it looks really good. Is that the shortest yeah, and, and you've I, ever had it? I No, it's not the shortest I've ever had it. I've had it to my ears before. Really? I have. I can't picture you with that shorter hair. No, do you know what? Every now and then I think, right, I'm going to do short hair. And then as soon as I have it that short, I just want to grow it again. Have you ever done the whole cut yourself a fringe and go, oh, my God, why have I cut myself a fringe and have to spend two years growing it out thing? No, because I hate fringes. Yeah, I've done that a few times <laughs> myself. I never learn. I never learn. So what else have you been doing during this period to entertain yourself? Oh, look, I've been drawing. I've been reading. I've been watching Netflix and basically just trying to not panic. Yeah, that's an interesting phenomenon because I have to, I've just been going through my days quite normally and now I'm working from home as well. Yeah. Um, thank you everybody for waiting while I had a bit of a difficult time uh, getting things ready for that. Um, and um I will go about my day quite normally, you know, I've got to do the dishes, got to do this, da, 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 da. And then suddenly it hits me. It's like a moment of clarity yeah. where I go, oh, my God, we're in a world by pandemic. And the profundity of it suddenly overwhelms me. Then five minutes later I'm back to, you know, I've got to do this email and that. How are you processing it all? Well, it's really funny. Um, little things are creeping me out. So, for instance, I live by the rail by the railway tracks Oh. Now, some of you might hear the trains going past when you listen to our podcast. Becky claims that she can't hear the trains going past. I can when I listen back. So if you ever hear something that sounds like a train, it's because it's it a, train. a train. <laughs> yes. And so I stand at my kitchen window and normally I see the trains going past full of people and all I've been seeing are empty trains. Oh, that would be creepy. That is creepy. The first, I live in the, well, you live actually in the city. I yeah. live in the next suburb to the city. And um, so we have a lot of pubs in my area. And Saturday night when I ever go for my walk, it is like 
the streets are cram packed and there's people walking around. I went for a walk on Saturday night and there was nobody the first night they closed the pubs. And oh, it felt so creepy and strange. I actually came home again. I thought, mm, no, I don't like it tonight. Yeah, that's the thing. On the weekends, you never hear any music. Oh, any yeah. Venues. And that's so strange. It is. Do you know, Heidi, I'm so aware at the moment that we are living history. I mean, you and I are both fanatic. Well, obviously, we do a program on it. Yes. Um, but we will study the past, never really imagining how it was for people in that time period trying to process what was happening in that time period. Does that make sense yeah. to you? And suddenly I'm yeah, sitting here imagining how I'm imagining a Heidi and a Rebecca back in, you know, during the Black Plague and imagining them trying to process what was happening to them as they were living it. It's very strange. And it's, it's, I, I um, am torn between absolute fascination and utter horror because what is happening is horrific, obviously. Do you know what? I'm in the same way. Mm. It's, it's just, it's surreal. It's actually it is. a surreal experience to be alive at this time. It is. It is. It is. And I'm very curious to see what happens after. Well, one thing we do have more time for. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and God knows whenever there's an extra second second for us for to us to completely absorb ourselves in something. We do. We and do. Tonight's obsession is actually a topic that was introduced to me several decades ago before there was the internet and I could fully obsess and before I knew a Heidi actually. Yeah. Um, and um, I actually heard about it from someone who, although they didn't witness it, was at a nearby school when it Ooh. happened. And so from them, I knowing about their own childhood, um, I got to hear an awful lot about what times were like in that suburb as a school kid. And I can imagine this happening very well. So tonight, Heidi, we are going to be talking about the Westall UFO episode. And I had not known anything about this until you introduced me to it. And yeah. then I, it's, it's, it's haunting me. Sorry, we do. Yeah, well, that serves you right for all the times you've made me obsess about something that haunted me. This is how our relationship works. And you know what? I was quite excited about this topic because it's the first Australian yeah. story that we've done so far. It is. Yeah. And we need more Australian stories. Yeah, we have weird I can... stuff. Yeah, we have lots of weird stuff. I, I think there's a few ideas we could uh, chase up. Got one I in think mind right so. now, <laughs> but for tonight, shall we start our episode, Heidi? Absolutely. So, it was the 6th of April, 1966, and Joy Clark was sitting in her second form science class. It was just before recess on what felt to be a perfectly ordinary day at Westall High a perfectly ordinary school in a mostly unexciting outer suburb of Melbourne. This was all to change when a student threw open the classroom door 
and ran into the room yelling, Mr. Greenwood, Mr. Greenwood, there's things in the sky. The science teacher, Andrew Greenwood, was confused. The school was very close to Moorabbin Airport, so it was normal for planes to constantly fly overhead. Then the boy cried out, there's UFOs. <laughs> Joy remembers the entire class rising from their seats and bolting down the corridor and onto the sports oval, followed by an annoyed Mr. Greenwood. I can imagine this so clearly. Oh, yes. Minutes earlier, a cricket game had been in full swing on the oval when one of the players, Terry Peck, heard her teammate shout, Flying Saucer! Terry recalls looking up to see three crafts hovering in the sky. They looked nothing like the planes that the students saw often and they moved very differently. Terry claims that they hovered for perhaps 10 minutes until one lowered itself down into the Grange, mm. which was a grassy area behind the school. Some students ran screaming back into the school building, but many and joy were bold enough to jump over the fence and run into the Grange. Graham Simmons, who was the school captain at the time, described the students as being like a whole lot of zebras being terrified by some crocodiles. Graham himself claimed to have seen one of the flying crafts from a classroom window. And he also recalls the chemistry teacher Barbara Rowlands grabbing a camera and snapping pictures of the sky. Terry has very clear memories of what she saw when she and her friends reached the Grange. The craft was now on the ground and she described it as being one and a half times the size of a family sedan, round and silver with lights around the bottom and no windows. She recalls a low buzzing sound and a feeling of heat emanating from the object. The craft then raised itself 12 feet above the ground, turned on its side and went into the air, giving the impression of disappearing instantly. She recalls two other crafts remaining in the air. Jacqueline Argent, another second former, remembers only one craft, silvery grey and moving at an incredibly fast speed. Jacqueline, like many other witnesses, also claimed that there were about five light aeroplanes in the sky circling the strange craft and that the contrast between the speed of the UFO and the speed of the ordinary planes was vast. Some witnesses described the planes and the UFOs as playing a game of cat and mouse before they all went out of view. Both Terry and Jacqueline have recollections of the students around them, and in particular, a girl named Tanya. Jacqueline and Tanya were running towards the Grange together when Tanya outran Jackie and was lost to sight. Terry recalls seeing Tanya running back to the school, screaming hysterically. Soon afterwards, 
Tanya's distress had reached such levels that she had to be taken to hospital in an ambulance. The entire incident lasted for about 20 minutes and there were more than 200 witnesses, most of them being students at West Hill High and another state school in the district. However, the disappearance of strange things in the sky did not mean that these things would return to normal. In some ways, the day became even stranger. Mm-hmm. Before there was even time for the excitement to calm down, strangers started to arrive in the area. Within 20 to 30 minutes after the objects had gone from view, men in camouflage who were assumed to be military personnel began to gather across the road from the school. Journalists also swarmed at the school gates and despite the students being given strict instructions not to talk to the media, mm. Joy Clark was enticed into talking to a Channel 9 news crew. <laughs> In the middle of recounting her story, Joy felt a hand on her shoulder. She turned to see a man in a blue uniform who warned her to stop talking. The man then shooed away the Channel 9 reporters and ordered Joy back into the school building. A special assembly was held where the very irate principal, Mr. Frank Sampleby, scolded the entire school for being hysterical. <laughs> he told them that they'd seen nothing more than a weather balloon. <laughs> Always a weather balloon, isn't it? <laughs> and that they were never, never, never mm. to talk of the incident again. Graham, the school captain, was given instructions by Mr. Sambleby to tell the students that what they'd seen didn't exist. And he was also given the job of walking up and down the corridors, making sure that everyone was in class. While he was carrying this out, Graham claims to have witnessed something very odd. The chemistry teacher, Barbara Rawlins, the one who'd taken photographs, was having a fierce argument with two men in uniform. Graham remembers them demanding that she hand over her camera. The next day, Jackie decided to check in on Tanya. And Tanya was the one who was taken away in the ambulance. Mm, yeah. And she went to Tanya's house, where she'd been many times before. The woman who opened the door was not Tanya's mother. And she claimed that nobody of that name had ever lived in that house. Tanya did not return to school. None of her schoolmates ever saw her again. You know, Tanya's story is the one I always want to know more about. She, oh, she Tanya's was the one story who got, drove me mad. Yeah, and she was the one who got closest to whatever it was. Um, so what did she see? Well, she was the first one, I believe. 
I don't know if yeah. she was the I don't know if she was the very first one, but she was the one who ran ahead. She kind of disappeared. And what did she see? She mm. must have seen it on the ground. There must have been something that the others didn't see. Okay, the thing that uh, always strikes me about t- the, the relation of Tanya style of the part of the story is that she was full of bravery. She was more brave than the others, yeah. right? And she ran ahead. And then to go from that extreme brave state to sudden extreme hysteria state to yeah. mean that she witnessed something or experienced something more than perhaps the others did? Well, I mean, my one of my thoughts was, well, maybe she was just a very highly strung kid but as you said, mm. she was extremely brave. She yeah. was the one running up the front. Yeah. So, oh gosh, I don't know. Do you know, I would give anything to talk to Tanya. Well, I, I seem to recall, I may be wrong on this, but I seem to recall that, that the research, one of the researchers actually did manage to track her down, but she did not want to discuss it at all. She refused. It- it's so picnic at Hanging Rock, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, I mean, with girl your running folks. ahead. <laughs> girl running ahead, she disappears. Yeah. And then later on, she just can't talk about it. Wow. It is exactly like that. And I did uh, come across some rumour and, and the witness or the people who knew Tanya admit that this is just a rumour that she was sent to a convent school yeah. for something really trivial, like like punishment for something that was just really trivial and ridiculous, and it just didn't ring true to them at all. No. Yeah. No. And also when you add to that the very fact that oh, a woman who opened the door was not Tanya's mother, maybe it was an aunt or something, I don't know. Yeah, Tanya well, is the creepy part of it. Well, saying that it may have been an aunt, I don't know because um, apparently Tanya's um, parents had really strong accents. I oh. think they were Eastern European. Right. And and uh, what Jackie remembers uh, from the interviews I've seen with Jackie is that this woman did not have that accent. Oh, which doesn't mean that she couldn't have been an aunt. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just, it's a bit Points weird. it more away, doesn't it? Yeah. And a few of the things that happen over the coming few days. Uh, mm. We'll yeah. see. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, the students did not stop talking about the UFO, to each other at least. If they spoke about the incident to anyone outside, they were often mocked, accused of lying or being on drugs. Even as adults, they now feel resentment that they were ordered to be silent and several have come forward to tell their stories again, determined to find answers or at the very least to be taken seriously. One person who has taken them seriously is amateur investigator Shane Ryan, whose documentary Westall 66 was a valuable resource for this podcast episode. After interviewing witnesses and hearing about Joy's experiences with the media, Ryan tried to track down the footage. He accessed Channel 9's film archives and obtained the film reel number for that particular story. He located the can that matched the number but found it completely 
empty. (laughs) Of course. He Mm. had more luck at the State Library of Victoria where there was an archived article from the Dandenong Journal But overall, there seemed to be a strange lack of surviving articles about this very widely reported incident. The Dandenong Journal article, however, gave him a few leads that he could follow. The science teacher, Andrew Greenwood, had been interviewed in the piece, although when contacted, said he didn't want to go on public record. There were other people willing to talk, though, particularly former workers of a market garden near the school. Paul Smith told Ryan that he'd been working in the garden when he saw something that he at first thought was a type of film projection in the sky. Other former workers in that area remember the school students running through the market garden, not caring that it was private property, and army trucks arriving about 20 minutes later. 20 minutes later. Mm. When questioned about how they knew it was the military, Ryan's interviewees all said the same thing. They were wearing khaki camouflage uniforms. Ryan sought advice from military historian, Lieutenant Colonel Neil Smith, who said that there were no deployable troops in Melbourne at the time. He came to the conclusion that the first people to respond to the incident at Westall would have been civilians or quasi-civilians, probably working for defence and probably wearing the sort of work dress that civilians working for, say, Department of Supply or the Department of Research and Development um, establishment of that period. He also stated that Australians were not using camouflage material in the mid-60s, but the descriptions match those worn by US Air Force around that time. Now, I can actually add to that and say, coming from a military Mm. family, they weren't using camo then. No, they weren't. It was greens. Yep. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm. And, I mean, there were US um, military in Australia at the time because of, of the Vietnam War effort. Yep. But that 20-minute time frame. I know, I know. And, and it coincides exactly with what the students say. Yeah. So it's not just kids going, oh, they came really quickly. You know, adults yeah. are saying, yes, it was about 20 minutes. And that is the whole thing about this entire episode. I mean, you, you can say that a whole of the kids got hysterical. I can imagine that. I was a kid too. Yeah. But there were so many teachers and locals, people who weren't actually inside the school who also experienced it, that, come on, something happened. Something, we know something happened. Absolutely. Well, another person who claims to have seen these men in uniform was Les Meader, who was an apprentice mechanic at the time. He and his sister were at the garage when they saw two army trucks, two men in camo, and two men in a blue uniform. Les and his sister hid behind the fence and observed one of the men sweeping the ground with a metal detector while the others kicked violently at the ground. Weird. Then all the men got back into the trucks and left. Now, this is the part 
that really, really gets to me. Ryan was unable to locate the pilots of the planes that have mm. reportedly chased the UFOs. Now, I'm a little bit obsessed with those five pilots, Becky. Yeah. Who were they? Who were they? What were they, they Australian? Doing? Were they American? I mean, what was any of it? <laughs> Look, I think we can both agree something absolutely happened. Absolutely happened. I I don't know about you, Heidi. Do you believe in UFOs? Have you ever seen a UFO? Um, look, I mean, you if, if we look at, you know, the, the definition of UFO as unidentified flying object, that could be any kind of unidentified flying object. It doesn't have yeah. to be related to aliens of course. or life on other planets. So, I mean, of course there's unidentified flying objects, anything you okay. see in the sky that you that you can't recognise. Okay, so they, def they definitely had a UFO experience. Yes, definitely. Was it an alien experience? Was it a military um, test uh, experience? Was it mass hysteria? Do you know what? I don't think it was mass hysteria. Me I either. think they definitely saw something. I absolutely do not believe it was a weather balloon. You don't? No, not on any level. Oh, really? No. Okay. No, I don't. Um, there was actually an article as recently as 2014 um, in one of the newspapers saying, oh, the Westall UFO was full of hot air, you know, and oh. they're saying it's just a weather balloon, but... There was a picture of the weather balloon and it doesn't look like a flying saucer. Not okay. at all. And weather balloon is kind of like the standard go-to for any UFO denialism from government departments. And I think we can all agree that over the past several decades, that has been a lie. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Why were so many officials... Um, so interested in shutting the whole thing down and shutting the kids up. That's that's suspicious, and so is the twenty minutes later. So I think, and the five planes. So obviously, whatever was happening, the military knew about it. Yeah, and I don't think they knew about it as an afterwards thing. They knew about it as it was happening. They were either tracking it or they knew it was happening in their area, and they were already in the area. And something that gets to me is if it had been a military, um, you know, a military project, why do it there so near other people? Yeah. And there were no air bases nearby at the time. The big air base there at the time was down more towards Werribee, mm. a long way away. This was like a, a huge suburban belt. Yeah. Um, so I can never quite fathom that. No. No. Although they could have been over the Port Phillip Bay and it could have got out of control. Uh-huh. And that, that's a possibility. And that may have been why the planes were trying to to bring it back or to guide it back. I 
that could make yeah, sense. That could absolutely make sense. But I do, okay, so in, deep down, and I know I'm the whimsical one of the two of us <laughs> who generally does believe in things, I don't ever discount anyone's um, experiences when it comes to extraterrestrial. Yeah. Um, but I can't quite make myself believe it myself. Doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah. Just, I, I can't quite make myself believe it myself. But if you look at anything of that era or any UFO um, reports, it all follows the same pattern, doesn't it? It does. Um, the same kind of object, an unknown object that's nothing like any of our technology, mm-hmm. a whole military being nearby mm-hmm. and a shutdown and a shut up. And any time government tells you to shut up and not talk about something, there's something they don't want you to know, there's something they don't want to get out, that immediately um, means something's happening. Yes. Yes, it completely makes sense. And another thing that stuck in my mind, talking about uniforms, those blue uniforms. Now, nobody said police it was always blue uniforms, oh yeah blue uniforms kind of like the police who are these blue uniform people so instead of saying the men in black we should be saying the men in blue ah. well blue uniforms it's air force yeah i'm not sure what air force wore back then hmm Look, I'm completely open to the idea of aliens. And you might find that yeah. surprising. But I Yeah, have... we've we've kind of switched roles here, haven't we? This is I fascinating moment. <laughs> the world is upside down at the moment. I it totally <laughs> is. Maybe maybe living through a global pandemic has, has opened me up a little bit. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I've always been open to the idea of aliens. I've like you, I've never really believed in them, but I don't not believe in them either. Yeah, I think that's where I kind of am. Yeah. I have to force myself to believe it more than I do in something supernatural, Mm. that's for sure. Mm. But that's only based on my own experiences. Yeah. I mean, regardless of what it is, I I 100% believe that all Absolutely. of those witnesses saw something. Absolutely, and that they were shut up. And they were shut up, it, and it was something very strange, something that was not a weather balloon or something that they missed no, for something else. They saw something weird. Perhaps military operation of some kind. Yeah. I don't quite believe weather balloon. Oh, gosh, no, no. Weather balloon is out. Weather balloon can get in the bin as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, always can get in the bin. <laughs> I, I, th- I really do think that the US uh, um, military establishment and, you know, these secret uh, services need to stop with that one now. No one believes that mm, one anymore. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the kids themselves were discounting that from the very beginning. You know, yeah. back when the principal was saying you saw a weather balloon, they were they were sitting there in assembly going, ah, no, you know, and, <laughs> and that's still the line that people are trying to, to push today. 
And that's kind of really sad that they've had to have that kind of um, pushback for what was a very real experience, mm. for what, what was a real experience for them. Yeah. Um, I, and that, I mean, that really can damage you. Yes. I mean, when you um, see interviews with these people, there was psychological mm. damage. Yeah. And not from the UFO. The incident. From the adults, yeah. from the adults in their lives who treated them like there yeah. was something wrong with them. And they were being naughty or or whimsical or silly. Well, I think it was more that they were being naughty because they were being punished and put in detention if for, they spoke about For being about truthful. It. They were being punished for being truthful. Yeah. And that does your head in. when you're. I mean, when you're an adult, that's bad enough. When you're a yeah. kid, whoa, that just does your head in. Yeah, as we know from other um, aspects of societal problems, you've got to believe people. And, and that's something that I've always said about anyone who has any kind of alien experience. I can't quite understand it because of my own um, subjective understanding because I haven't experienced it. But I believe them. Something yeah. has happened to them. Yes. Yeah. Beyond Something. doubt. Beyond a doubt. So mm-hmm. what do you guys think happened in West Hall in 1966? Please comment on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear your theories. Yeah, absolutely. As long as those theories don't involve weather balloons. And don't involve demeaning the kids as being hysterical. (laughs) Because they they definitely were not. (laughs) They definitely weren't. Kids are far more intelligent than adults most of the time, I think. I think so. And far more rational than adults most of the time. They're more accepting of things, if nothing else. Yeah. So now that we've got plenty of time, it's maybe time to turn our eyes to the sky and see if, if there's anything trying to make contact with us during this incredibly strange time in our lives. We want to know a bit more about UFOs. We tend to focus a lot of our research and our obsessions on the supernatural. Mm-hmm. This is a bit new to us, I think, both of us. Yeah. yeah so tell us. Tell us. it would be really nice if you could subscribe maybe leave us a review maybe throw us some stars that would be beautiful that that would be really nice and if you're bored doing a lot of cleaning during the this lockdown listen to some of our past episodes you might enjoy and um everybody stay safe stay indoors as much as you can and we love you yeah we do See you later. See ya, everyone.